We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. It is our Sunday baseball conversation with Colin Brister. We dove into the uh, painstaking-looking sweep that Ole Miss endured at the hands of Alabama. The Rebels now 0-6 at home in SEC play for the first time since 97. First time Alabama has swept Ole Miss in Oxford since 97 as the Rebels sit at 4-8 and eight and dead last in the Southeastern – or the SEC West, for that matter. Got into it where this team goes from here, rotation issues, and uh, is this team going to make the NCAA tournament and just how stark uh, the conversa- stark contrast of conversation that we've had today from the last couple of weeks in terms of what this team's postseason future is. So, you know, are they going to be a national seed and host? Too? Are they actually going to make the tournament? Because I think the math is a little bit harder than it uh, – than it seems. So got into all that and what it means in the big picture, Mike Bianco's long-term future or short-term future, however you want to view it, and a lot more. So good conversation. We'll go ahead and dive right into it. Before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has propelled Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. March Madness winding down. No worries, they've got baseball package going up in May. They've got the NBA model ready for the playoffs. Whatever you're into, NASCAR, all kinds of different stuff, they're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. Just go to skyboxsportspicks.com. You can select month-long, season-long. You can do it for all sports. You can do it for specific sports. Whatever the case may be, whatever your preference is, they're going to have a picks package to fit your price range, and they're going to lead you more consistently to profit more so than anyone else in the industry. I'd recommend just going with the year-long all-access pass to Skybox. It's an investment. It'll pay for itself back and then some because that's what Skybox does. They make you money more consistently than anyone else. You don't want to be text, having the bookie text you Sunday night, Monday morning, ask where you need to. Uh, you guys can settle up. You need to be texting him asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox will help you do that more consistently than anyone else in the industry. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use that promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off any purchase. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me three to five times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. Just go show Greg your subscription confirmation email. 
and he'll get you set up and then go find all your own favorites, whether it's the uh, lane train special, all kinds of different uh, cuts. They've got the Wagyu going. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. If he doesn't have it, he can get it for you. They have all kinds of delicious seafood, fresh sausages. You need to check him out. Oxford's so lucky to have a place like LB's. Check him out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, let's get to Colin Brister and uh, this conversation after Ole Miss's Sunday, or we're swept, I was about to say Sunday sweep, we're swept by the Alabama Crimson Tide. Here he is. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. We're here to uh, recap the Masters, maybe talk some NBA playoffs. Sounds <laughs> um, good to me. I was about to say, uh, no, we, uh, we're here to talk Ole Miss being swept at home by Alabama. It's the first time Ole Miss has been swept at home twice in SEC play since 1997, which is coincidentally the last time actually Alabama swept Ole Miss in Oxford was 97. They're 0-6 at home. They're 4-8 and in the SEC. This was a, as bad as a weekend as they could have had. And look, Tennessee was more demoralizing, but now that we have proper context on what Tennessee is, this is one of the worst weekends I can remember, and I feel weird saying that because we said that like two weeks ago. I, I'm going to ask you just, just some random questions. Did you know that Auburn is 7-5 and five in the SEC? Yeah, they're good. Did you know that Alabama is 7-5 and five in the SEC? I did, after this weekend. Did, you, did you know that uh, deep Dallas Baptist was 21-10? and 10? No. Wait, Dallas Baptist. Did you? Yeah, Dallas Baptist is twenty-one and ten. And did you know that Louisville is twenty-three and eight? Okay, I didn't know those last two. Okay, just just ran questions. Nothing pertaining to who their head coaches might be. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go in there for a second. I was like, um, yeah, that was that was one of the roughest weekends, and and Mike Bianco. Yeah. Anyways, embarrassing. I, I said I wouldn't call Tennessee embarrassing because I, I thought there was a chance that Tennessee was really good, and it turns out there is. Um, Alabama is decent. Um, they are not sweep your ass. It's way you feel decent. I I cannot remember a worse regular season weekend than this. I I really I, I mean I'm thinking back on sweeps at Swayze 2013. Um, Vanderbilt 2019 Mississippi State both of those teams made the college world series or were the number one overall national seed um, that was as embarrassing as it gets and and I don't know where Ole Miss goes from here because because I said this and, and I do believe it like we can at some point you can sit here and say I, I don't think they're very tough and that might be true but at the end of the day when you get your ass kicked three times by Alabama it's just that you're not very good um, and I think that's the reality that, that, that's starting to set in for Ole Miss. I think that's exactly what the reality is. I think you nailed it. I think what this weekend officially determined is that this team just I don't think is very good. Um, and we, we'll, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it. We can argue – or, excuse me, we can just debate, like, you know, why it's that way. Should they be this bad? You know, what have you. We can go a number of different ways with it, and we will dissect it. But I do think that is the overall determination of this weekend. I did have a dynamite note written down uh, from the top. Uh, I was going to say, I don't like this as helping their chances of being a top eight national scene. I'm beginning to think that that might not be in the cards. Thoughts? If you had to guess right now, does this baseball team make the NCAA tournament? 
Okay, so this is um, – we can just get it right into this now because I was talking sure. to Jason about this right after. Like, it's uh, – so they're four and eight. And four and eight, mm-hmm. four and eight. Like, do I think they end up probably making the tournament? I Honestly, I think my answer is is no right now. I, if it, wow. With the way this offense is, I, I still want like, – can be, I guess. I still maybe want to lean yes. But if you look at what they've done versus what they have left, they're four and eight. And I'll let you answer first, and then we'll just go through it. Because I, I initially said yes, and then I ran through this exercise with Chase about an hour ago after he left the game. And my answer changed. But what do you think? Go ahead. Um, I think if you made me guess and put stakes on it, I would say yes with zero confidence. Um, I, I think – and the reason – so I thought today was massive. Um, because I thought, frankly, if Ole Miss could win today – look, it's not in a great situation. Uh, but five and seven, and having South Carolina and Mississippi State, two not great baseball teams, um, you know, I thought they could get back to nine and nine, and then you could just kind of go from there, and maybe you could get to 16 and do some things in Hoover and maybe host a regional. It was, it was made evident to me today that that is not going to be what the Ole Miss Rebels do this year. Um, but I do think, and maybe this is me being just an eternal optimist, I do think there's a run in them at some point. I think they run off a five and one or something, maybe in that, um, you know, maybe when they play Missouri or whatever, they can run off a sweep and a two and one and, and get themselves kind of back into decent shape to make the tournament. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would vote that they do, but I would also be willing to lose the money that I put on it because it's uh, it's dire straits right now. Because I, I do think this, I will say this, Ole Miss has screwed itself in a little fa- in a little bit of fashion because they're losing all these freaking home games, which is killing their RPI. So it's a situation where you're probably going to have to get to 14 or 15 SEC wins. 13 is not going to get it done. Yes, no. Okay, that's a perfect kind of transition to what I was going to add to you as we, as we start this exercise. 14 and 16 they have to get to to make the NCAA tournament, correct? Like, feel pretty safe about that? Uh, uh, I've seen some 13 win teams, but this is not going to be one. I don't think so either. That's what I'm saying. Like, this team has to get to 14 and 16. So, they are yeah. four and eight. They have to go yeah. – there's 18 games left. They have to go 10 and eight down the stretch. They go to South Carolina. They're home against State at Arkansas. Oh, that Missouri series is in Oxford. I told Chase it was in Columbia. And I'm yeah, like, it's in Oxford. And so, that helps. At OSU, at A&M. So, you basically have to – when like these last six series, I guess that is what you have to go four. They went two. four of them. Where what are the four? South I mean, Carolina. Yeah, I mean that's Missouri. Really, that's what it comes down to, though. But Missouri's so I don't think Missouri's good, and the fact that Oxford helps is frisky. But I think that sure. so let's just give them the home series. So that's Texas A and M, Missouri. And state, so that's three of the series. Do you like their chances of winning two down in Baton Rouge? No. What about at Arkansas? No. Well, you know what series is left then? The decider. It's literally next yep. weekend. It's at South yep. Carolina so, and South <laughs> Carolina. Um, I guess my argument could be a little bit. Do I think they maybe could sweep Missouri instead of just winning two? Um, yes. Do I think they can maybe sweep A and M? Maybe they're playing better at the end of the year. Um. Yeah, I, but it's it, it's irrelevant though, right? Because like, which I, I 
obviously it's important. Does Ole Miss make the tournament? But if Ole Miss just gets in the tournament, then Ole Miss's season has to end in one place or they're making a coaching change. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. And honestly, you can make an argument that's the case whether they were playing at home or not. I guess sure. where you go to another super and, my God, if he lost another game three. But that feels silly that where he's back next year. But that feels silly to mention at this point. But I'm just adding it for context sake. Yes. And as we talked about plenty of times on the show, and that's what brings in the big picture part of this, that would require them doing something they've never done in the Bianco, mm-hmm. which home struggles be damned. I think that's an underrated damning part of his resume is the fact that they've never gotten through anywhere as a two or a three seed. And what, he's only gotten close once, that Fort Worth regional? Or was that Texas yeah. A&M's regional and they played TCU? I can't remember. Yeah, it was that Texas A&M that got beat out by TCU. That was 2012. Um, they've only gotten to Sunday, the championship round, twice. Uh, they got to it in 08. Ironically enough, when you talk about 2008, this team's starting to feel a lot like 2008. Um, that team and, got to number they, two in the country, right? And fell off? Yep, fell off the earth. Um, sounds familiar. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. It's, uh, man, talking about two weeks ago when this team – or three weeks ago when they leave Auburn 2-1, and one, I'm thinking, I think they're a back-end national seed. I think they're that good. Because um, they didn't pitch it well enough. Boy, by God, they swung it. And um, I was very, very wrong about the Rebels. Um, they are they are a back-end, maybe get in the tournament team right now, if I had to guess. Yes, and the, the, the path to get in the tournament, as we just outlined, is, is a lot – is really tough. And maybe it's just writing it down on paper as I did it earlier. It, it, it's a lot tougher than maybe I even thought about it. But it's a good point by you – it's kind of wild that we're having this conversation. And, like, we were wrong about this team. I have no problem saying that. But also, like, the data changes, right? Like, I don't know. They look like a good offense that might have put it together pitching staff-wise, you know, heading into the Auburn series. And they did enough there. And then Tennessee happened. And it was like, okay, well, maybe we're grading this on a curve. I will say this. We talked about the value, like, how ridiculously valuable sweeping is and not getting swept. I think this is the perfect example of just how damaging it is to get swept, particularly getting swept at home. That just makes it worse. But just say they get a game in each Tennessee and Alabama series. Like, it's not great that they lost their first two home series, but they're six and six. And you're like, you're you're not in a great spot, but it's not in a terrible spot either. Getting swept and particularly getting swept at home is killer. And some of that, I think, has to be indicative of just how, like, is this team actually any good or not? And then some of it, we, we can get into this a little bit later, is kind of the, some of the mindset and the toughness thing that we can get out a minute ago, in a minute. But at the end of the day, they're just not very good. Um, there's a number of different places we could start as it just pertains to this weekend. And I know we'll come back to some big picture stuff in a minute. But just as it pertains to this weekend, we have not recorded – since they announced the rotation. I gave some solo mm-hmm. thoughts ahead of our interview from Thursday um, as I recorded Mailback Friday on the, for the, what ended up being the Friday podcast. What did you make of him going to Hunter Elliott on Friday night? And so my thing was I've stopped trying to figure out – like I've stopped trying to say whether I agree, disagree with Mike, or even be like figure out what he's thinking. I just try to make cases for what he could be thinking – and sure enough, I ended up being right. There was a good chance Alabama was going to go with three lefties, couple switch hitters. That ended up being the case in at least two of the games. Maybe it was all three. I don't remember one, the middle lineup. Um, but he so, went matchup. 
Yeah, initially I wasn't a fan. Um, and, and, and this is, you know, this is hard um, on a weekend like this, where when I heard Mike's or answer, I read it after Friday night's game, I was more okay with it um, than, than I was before uh, the, the game because Mike essentially said, guys, we are putting the best pitcher on the mound in every situation to win the baseball game. That's, that's what we're trying to do. We're approaching it differently uh, than we normally have. We're just trying to put the best guys on the mound in the right spots to win the baseball game. And, and, and to Mike's credit, um, he, he did what he thought was best. He threw two lefty, lefties at him with, with Elliott, with Gaddis. Um, and, and, you know, look, you can fault the plan. I get it. Um, I didn't have as much issue with it after I read his response and, and what he was trying to do. I thought it was fine. Um, it is what it is at this point. The reality is that you can blame whoever you want. They don't have the pitching depth and pitching development that they need to be a successful baseball team. Uh, we can get into whose fault that is, whose fault that isn't, but that's just the reality. And Mike has realized he's got to go about this in a different way. Um, and I give him some credit there. Now, that's tough to say when you go 0-3 against an Alabama team that I think you're more talented than. Um, but but I'd, I had little issue with it after I read his response after the game on Friday night. He had a long quote. I won't read the entire quote because as we figured out uh, from reading the – I forget whatever Mike said after the midweek game last week. Um, I, me fumbling through five paragraphs of Bianco quotes just does not make for great podcasting. But to your <laughs> point, I didn't love it. But I don't I, – I, I, I don't like – I would go the – I would disagree with it. But I also – like I'm kind of in the camp with you in the sense that I didn't necessarily hate it because it was backed up by data. I mean, he said if you look at their splits, they're about 50 points different left-handed versus right-handed. Okay, that's fine. There's probably a larger conversation to be had about limited sample size just in college sure. baseball as a whole, but particularly at this point in the year. But whatever. I, if it's backed up – you know, you have to look at something. Like the, the data has to tell you something. And so if it's leads back to that, but it was the combination of that, Delusia coming out of the pin next, and yeah. kind of eliminating as an option for Saturday. And this at the end of the day, so the first part of his quote said, I tried to get you guys not to look too much into it last weekend, even though we had success, to think, oh, these are the three starters. And then he got into the explanation as to why he pitched Hunter and whatever. Again, that part of it I'm fine with. But at the end of the day, with as bad as they've been struggling, if you want to tweak it elsewhere and you want to keep um, Hunter Elliott in the rotation, despite him having, I would say, an okay outing at Kentucky because of all the left-handers that fine, or if you want to go, if you want to go him and Gaddis as starters because they're left-handed arms against the left-handed hitters, fine. But at a certain point, there's one pitcher on the team that has spent six innings in SEC play, and he's that's the name Dylan Delusia, and he's done it twice. And look. Sure. It can maybe be hindsight the fact that – because he wasn't great in relief. He gave up four runs on four hits. They tagged him pretty good. He was wild, two walks in an inning. But starting relieving are two different things, and maybe you know, it would have gone the same way. I don't know. I just think with all the tr struggles they've had as a pitching staff, the guy that went and got you six and a third and really kind of injected some life into you last week when you were in a bad spot, six and a third of shutout – or uh, no earn run, excuse me, one run – three-hit baseball, at a certain point, I just go with that guy, and I live with that. And if you want to stack it with two lefties after that, fine. But I just don't understand not making him – not letting the one guy that's actually given you length start. That's my disagreement. With um, yeah, I, 
I, I would I would preface it with or, or not preface it. That's the correct wording. But Dylan Delucia should should have started a game this weekend. To be clear, um, I, I guess my response was I, I had a little issue with him not starting him on Friday night. Um, when when Delucia is a guy that eats innings the way that he does, I think it's probably doing a disservice to probably a limited pitching staff. Um, that you don't start him in one of the three games. So um, I, I just kind of meant that I didn't mind at the time. Because um, I'll be honest, when I read the quote on Friday night after our game, I thought, well, Delush is going to start on Saturday. Um, and, and then he didn't. Um, you know, so uh, I, it's just tough. I don't know. It's it's a, Well, I say I thought he was going to start on Saturday. I, I thought initially when Elliot was pegged for Friday night that he would start on Saturday. That's why I didn't have his little issue. I had a little issue with it. But – I don't know. It's um, yeah. I think you. It's kind of that situation with Johnson that you got the at the beginning of the year. You're not getting the most value out of him. I'm not sure if you got the most value out of Dylan Belusha this weekend. And and Ole Miss certainly needs their their better guys to 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 pitch the most innings. I know that's the most no no dust statement of the year, but um, I don't think Dylan Belusha did that for Ole Miss this weekend. Obviously. Uh yeah. That I, you could say that again, and that's it's it's interesting because again it's. Uh, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I'm not sure how much it mattered, but uh, it's also a mindset part of it, too. I felt like last week, Delusia kind of relished being the Friday night guy and kind of having the – not necessarily put the team on his back, but, like, he's the guy they're depending on to, you know, stop at that point what was a losing streak or whatever. And just, I don't know, taking him out of that role after – so you would know this from just being around baseball and being a coach or whatever. Is there anything to the fact that Delusia goes like just from his mindset standpoint, he goes six and a third last week, three hit baseball, one earned run, and then he doesn't get the chance to replicate it from his perspective, from like the piss me off the message. Like, yeah, does that is there anything to read into that? Because that was my other reaction beyond the number side of it. It might go in matchup and splits. It's like well, what does this tell Delusia? I get that they're doing this whole thing yeah. where they don't have starters, they don't have relievers, they just have pitchers and there are no roles. But at a certain point, don't you got to reward the guy for being good until he's not? Yeah. Um, if I'm Dylan Delusia, it would piss me off that, that I did what I did in Lexington and I didn't get the ball headed to me again. Um, so, and I'm not saying that Dylan Delusia uh, being pissed off should, you know, make Mike's decisions. But But if you're asking me, you know, would it piss a kid off or would it piss me off? Yeah, absolutely. It would, it would light, light me up that I didn't – that I pitched that well on the road in an SEC game and, and I don't get the ball to start an SEC weekend at home. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough situation for sure. And so the last part of it, and I'd like to hear the way he said it. I was just reading what going off Chase. But the last part of this quote, I, I didn't love this part of it. So I'll read the last part of it. He's talking about the middle, the middle part of the quote where he's just talking about the uncharted waters they're in and we're just trying to win the baseball game. There was a part in there where he said, I know it's confusing for you guys and not to be condescending. Honestly, <laughs> that guy's so uptight. Sometimes my first reaction was, holy cow, he just admitted he can be condescending. That's progress for Mike. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, to that, the actual last part of the quote, he said – when explaining why he went to Delusia out of the bullpen. So the second part of this after Hunter, he said, and the reason I went to Delusia after Hunter was one, I didn't think Hunter had his best stuff. I think most of you probably agree with that. He just wasn't pitching well. Now it's three to two and we can leave him out there and hope he can get as deep in the game like you would hope from your Friday night guy, but he's not our Friday night guy. He's just another pitcher like the rest of them. Oh, doesn't sound great when you read it out loud, but I probably know what he meant. 
he doesn't deserve to be out there and say, let him go as long as he can. Maybe he can get a seven. Only if he pitches well does he go that long. He'd given up three hits in two innings, so we got to try to make a move. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that answers your question. And I'm, being, I'm not being frustrated. I'm trying to explain what we're trying to do here. We ran Dylan out there because we think he can do a good job, and he didn't. So we tried another guy. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so d- one thing we did learn, um, Dylan DeLucia is not Ole Miss's Friday night guy. <laughs> that is a thing that we learned. I guess that's a good way to sum it up. And look, I get it. I, and we credit him when it worked that he was trying a new mindset of just, hey, I'm going to try anything to try to win the baseball game. And we can't crush him and play the results entirely, you know, a week later when it didn't work. But the whole, he's just another guy. Well, they're not all created equal. Like Hunter Elliott's never gone six and a third in an SEC game and given up, uh, you know, no earned runs on three hits. Like you, like you can't like just treat them all equally just because the collective <laughs> result is not great. And so, like, I don't understand that part of it. And look, we can debate this all day. It didn't end up mattering. I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think this is a team's in a position to do the whole "it ain't broke, don't fix it" thing. But there had been so little good in terms of the starting pitching. I feel like he maybe overthought it a little bit because they weren't having bullpen issues. It was the starting pitching. And then he finally found stability with the starting pitching aspect of it and didn't stick with it. And that kind of screwed up some of the bullpen stuff. Like I get the whole, we don't have roles thing, but in the goal to kind of find some slippings of a role, I get teams can be more fluid and more malleable. And it's not always like that, particularly when they don't have, you know, overwhelmingly dominant guys to say the least this year. But is it the goal to try to find some semblance of role, particularly as it starters? Yeah. Um, unless you've just conceded that you do not have the guys to do that. Um, I, 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 I don't have, you know, I don't know what Mike's thinking. And I'm not saying that in, a, in like you said, a condescending way. I, I just, you know, it is what it is. Um, he thinks this is the best approach for Ole Miss to win baseball games. It worked one weekend and it, uh, went to hell one weekend. Um, I mean, I think the larger story, um, frankly, from this weekend is like, look, obviously, um, you know, Hunter Elliott didn't have a great outing. Dylan DeLucia comes in and doesn't have a great outing. But I think the, the game that will bother me um, is, is Saturday, that you had the lead, you had your best two relievers go, and you didn't win. Um, I think that's, that, that's the game where, like, I look back and I'm like, because if they went on Saturday, I, I think there's a real chance that they come out with a lot more energy on Sunday and, and maybe can win that baseball game and the world's fine. Um, but, man, when you're up 7-3 to three and you got Doherty on the mound and you bring Johnson in and you just don't get it done, it's just a, it's a, that's a tough blow. That is a tough pill to swallow. And Chase roasted, wrote in his postgame uh, notes from Saturday's game that you could kind of tell that that was a pretty crushing defeat. Mike pulled out one of his quotes where he talked about baseball being a game that rips your heart out sometimes. But Chase also noted that the uh, that the body language amongst the guys afterwards was pretty somber in that sense. So the last thing I'll just say before we get to the Saturday game about like the pitching part of it, I just – that's probably a better way I should have encapsulated my thoughts at the top of it. I just couldn't figure out a way to articulate it. I think the whole open-minded not having roles approach thing is good, but it's also at a certain point causing him to overthink things and he's misidentifying the problem. Like, as I keep mentioning, they didn't have a bullpen issue 
they had a starting pitcher link this year that was screwing the rest of them up. And so when they finally found some link from starters, he didn't really stick with it. And that's the part I didn't necessarily understand, particularly, you know, the Hunter Elliott thing aside, he went back to the left-hander that granted he does pitch with his left hand, but had given you no length at all. And I would say is not to pile on John Gaddis, but is a major reason you were in this predicament. So I get that you're playing a matchup, but why go back to him? And so I just don't get the whole no roles thing and they're just pitchers and we're going to try another guy when the problem you're actually trying to solve was to find length because you couldn't get length, if that makes any sense. Like it's almost like he, this, like it worked last weekend. He tried the new approach, but like he got in his own head when it came to that. And at the end of the day, it's about the Jimmies and Joes that didn't guys get guys out. It's almost just to me, like he lost sight of the problem. Like it wasn't that complex of an issue. You needed dudes to get you linked. Your bullpen was fine. You found that, and then you didn't stick with it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a good way to sum it up. It's uh, it's just kind of a rotating door at this point. Um, I don't think there is an answer, quite frankly. I think they're just going to keep doing this until the season ends, whether that's in uh, Corvallis, Oregon, Hoover, Alabama, Oxford, Mississippi, or Omaha, Nebraska. I, I just I don't think Mike's going to – Give anybody the opportunity to earn his trust um, over the next six weeks. I, I just I, – I mean, I'll be honest. I think when Texas A&M rolls in here, I think Mike's going to announce a Friday guy and go TBA, TBA. I, I think he has relegated himself to the fact that he does not have a good enough staff to be able to just have a rotation like he normally does. Um, and, and it's kind of weird saying this, but, like, Mike's um, – I don't want to say hard-headed, but sometimes Mike, when Mike believes something, Mike has a hard time of letting that thing go. Um, and it probably took Mike a, it probably took a lot for Mike to realize, hey, uh, I don't have a rotation that's you know good enough to just run the same guys out there all three games every weekend. Um, and now that he's gotten to that point and that belief, it's probably going to be hard to convince him that at some point he does. That's a good point. It's a good way to put it. I didn't necessarily think about it from that perspective. It's like. That's probably you probably nailed it in that sense. It's like I think he has just made the decision that none of these guys are good enough to be quote unquote like starters. So we're just going to try to figure this thing out. Is it fair? And now this really goes back and forth, and I felt sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. But is it fair to say that that's an overreaction? Like they weren't good starters wise, and maybe he's right. Maybe he ends up being right. But just after you know one terrible weekend in SEC play that Tennessee destroyed them just to say, I right, we don't have any starters now and no one is capable of doing it, period, instead of just searching to find a couple. Maybe. I don't know. It feels like semantics at this point. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see because there's also a world, if this keeps up from the pitching side of it, another thing that this weekend uh, kind of discovered, this offense is very fraudulent. And they are nowhere near good enough to overcome bad pitching. Um, a lot of times – you know, they're barely good enough to overcome some of the good moments they've had pitching-wise. I get the offense gave them a chance to win on Saturday, but the other two games were pretty bad. And I've got some uh, I've got some pretty jarring offensive numbers I'd like to throw at you this weekend. But what are your thoughts on what they did at the plate this weekend, just base level before we get into it? Um, atrocious, bad, um, unbecome. Like, I don't know. I mean, they played, they played well Saturday. I should give them a little bit more credit than that, but – um, Friday and Sunday were ridiculous on, on a multitude of levels. I mean, Tim Elko played well, obviously, this weekend because he's Tim Elko and that's what he does. Obviously, Jacob Gonzalez has the big day on Saturday. But 
outside of that, I mean, you know, I mean, I know Alderman hit a ball to, you know, freaking Water Valley or something today, but still, I mean, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an offense that is not good right now. And I have no reason as to why they're not good. Um, some of it's approach. Some of it is, um, and I think you, you, you said this earlier in the year and you're right. You were at the time. Um, you were right when you said it is that they don't swing at bad pitches. Hell now they do. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's been the strangest part to watching all this, right? Yeah, which, you know what that tells me, they're pressing. Um, and we can get into why they're pressing. Um, but but I, I do think that a good offense is pressing. And, um, you know, guys are struggling and they're just not just not playing well. And, when you know, the, the offense was always supposed to be what carried them. And, and they have it. Um, now, the pitching's not really helped much at all. Um, but, but this offense has, has certainly scuffled. Um, the first 12 games of SEC play. So they – do you know how many home runs – that's another part of it. Do you know how many home runs they hit this weekend? Nine. Eight. It may be not. Eight. I may have miscounted, but they got swept. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, like the eight home runs in the – Well, they don't, score, they don't score if they don't hit homers. Which exactly. That's strong. a problem. There's no base-to-base. Base. There's no stringing anything together. It's feast or famine. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, they hit eight, eight home runs and scored, what, 17 runs on the weekend? Yeah. 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 So, so you hit nine home runs and you average less than two RBIs. Yeah. So you had a bunch of solo shots is kind of what it feels like. Well, that and it, it's just—I mean—I think that proves that it's—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, um, it's, it's literally just feast or famine. Like, there's no—I yeah. don't know—and that—that that kind of dictates approach, right? Because you can run into one, and look, you can't discount them from hitting eight run, home runs. I think we knew going no. into the season this team had tremendous power, but doesn't that kind of speak to the approach and the pressing part of it too? Like, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's not a whole lot of driving the ball into gaps and 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 you know, getting on base and making good contact. It's a lot of swings and misses. I mean, hell, their strikeout to walk thing, I don't know if I ever read this on the podcast last week. I read it to you. It got worse, just spoiler alert. Uh, They are now in SEC play 139 strikeouts and 41 walks in 12 SEC games. That is horrendous. So, all right, let me ask you this. Um, Because I I saw a lot of people get on him this weekend and, you know, look, these guys get paid a good bit of money, and, and I understand criticism for coaches and whatnot. I, Mike Clement has been here since 2015, and outside of 2015 and 2017, um, has had really good offenses. Uh, when you talk about 2016 and then 2018 through 2021, I, I struggle to put much of this, and maybe I'm wrong, um, and someone that knows a lot more about baseball can tell me I am, and, I, and I'll concede it. I struggle to put a whole lot of this on him. Um, I just do. When when you've got the same guys and, and they don't look the same, um, because I, I highly doubt that Clem took them in the offseason in the fall and changed a whole lot of stuff up. Um, I, I just think guys aren't playing well. And, and you know, we can talk about coaching and all of that or whatever, but I really have a hard time blaming the guy that's been really, really good as a coach for four years now having the same guys back and those guys aren't performing I don't know what it is um I again I think it's some pressing um and and I think that's why there's some swings on stuff out of the strike zone but 
I don't necessarily think this is an, an offensive coaching issue. I just got to think guys aren't playing well. I think you're right because it's the same offense as a year ago. Who did yes. they lose? Kale Baker. <laughs> Have you seen his numbers at Ohio? Uh, at is he Rudy? even playing? What? Is he even playing anymore? I knew they were bad. So I hadn't checked to uh, – I, I, I say that. I guess I hadn't checked in about six weeks now. But uh, it wasn't, wasn't great was my point. But not yeah. that, besides the point that we're talking about here, it's the same offense as a year ago. And you know, this offense last year had some periods where they weren't great all the time. But they did carry the team quite a bit of the time. And they overcame in a, what, 11-run deficit against Arkansas and like a 10-1 deficit against yes, – and there's just none of that this year. And it's I, that was the biggest indictment on the weekend to me, that that offense erased an 11-0 deficit against Arkansas and at 3-0 today in the fifth, I, say, I thought they were dead. So did I. I was like, I don't love their chances to come back from this one unless they just run into a couple fastballs, which is kind of exactly what it's been. Look, now, granted, today it was a couple breaking balls. I, dude, Tim Elko destroyed a slider. And then did you see the ball that, uh, that uh, Alderman hit today? Yes, I saw it off the bat, and like I don't know if you saw it, but the camera didn't turn. It did. So turn I could, I, I could see the trajectory, and like as he hit it, I looked at my dad like that's gone. And the next thing I was like, Dave Mills, like uh, that ball is clearing the stands. And then he like the, he got like immediately got the data. I hated that the camera guy uh, kind of fell fell down for the people on that one, and we weren't able to see it. But it went four hundred and eighty something feet. That's a long way, but. I wonder if the wind wasn't blowing it, if it goes 500. Oh, that's one of the hardest hit balls I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and it's easier to tell when you're in the stadium and in person, but even on TV, I could tell. But the point, like, that, that's kind of the point, though. Like, Elko ran into one and they got the two run home run. And I was like, okay. My, honestly, that's the, probably indicative of anything else. My mindset was, okay, can they push two more over the fence? <laughs> yeah. Because that point it was three to two. I just, like, the. I don't know. I guess I have very little faith in them stringing it back together. And that's part of the, the large part of it is that statistics is that status read you the 139 strikeouts to 41 walks or whatever it is. They didn't swing at bad pitches. So they drew a bunch of walks, which really put pressure on opposing pitchers. And they're not stressing opposing pitchers out and taxing them as much because they're not getting on base via the walk and they are swinging at bad pitches. They're, I mean, in the simplest form of baseball terms, they're quite literally helping the guy out. I think that's a big part of it too, as much as the not having hitting gap to gap and stringing together hits. They're not walking either. And that was a big part of what made them successful last year. Yep. Nope. They've always been a team that's really disciplined and walked a lot. Um, and they are not doing so this year. And I think that is what leads me to thinking that they're pressing. Um, this has always been an offense that, that um, predicates itself off plate discipline. There's just not very much of it this year. Um, and I don't think that's obviously by design. So uh, I, I think a lot of it would probably be because guys are pressing, whether um, it's because they're just not playing well or for whatever reason. Yeah, and the the would you would you like to get some numbers from this weekend? Uh, guys, not named Jacob Gonzalez and Tim Elko, thirteen. Yeah. 30. Oh my god. And look, Gonzalez can't fault it. You can't can't say anything about the Saturday game. He had three home runs. He goes three for six. But the rest of the weekend, I believe he went zero for three, zero for four. So that's three for six. So without them, you got that's what ten. For you take if you take away his, I'm taking his out of it. So you take away his hits. So that's ten hits, and 
or excuse me, no, you count as hits. So that's, sorry, that's 16. This is great podcasting. That is 16 for, what is that? 90? 93. Not 16 for 93? Oof. <laughs> Which one sounds worse? That's under 200. And it, it backs it up. You, I, had their st- I had it pulled up a second ago, but now I'll, I'll get it pulled back up in a minute. Have you seen, like, just the team stats in SEC play? No, it, I, I don't have – I haven't hurt my eyes and looked at them yet. <laughs> well, I'll spare you and just read them to you. That way you don't have to necessarily look at them. I looked at this a second ago right before we started recording. It's it's jarring. It's Tim Elko and it's uh, – What are Elko's stats? We'll just go batting average. I know it's not the greatest. Yo, Tim Elko is hitting 400 in conference play. Alderman's at 300. And then it's 239 Gonzalez, Leatherwood 229, Burford 222, Bench 213, McCants 194, shot 188, and Hayden Dunhurst 184. And look, I don't love batting average as a tell-all stat, but I do think it's a decent indicator, particularly in college baseball. That is horrendous. That's – I mean, they have what, two what is, hitting okay. Gonzalez has a good OPS. He's hitting the ball over the fence, so that counts as three. Everyone else is 220, uh, 228 or below in SEC play. What is, what is Elko's OPS? Elko's OPS is, let's see, 822 plus 471. Uh, uh, I can pay it off the old 1293. Yes. So, my man has a 1293 OPS in SEC play after 12 games. I think that's even more than we probably expected him to be, and I thought we thought he would be really good. If I had told you before the year, hey – Elko's going to have almost 1,300 OPS 12 games into SEC play. I'm like, oh, okay, well, Ole Miss is the number four national seed. I'm and with you. Just nobody else around them. Because what that would have told me is, hey, there's dudes protecting him, and, and there's not. Um, so, you know, it, it's bad. Uh, you know, we, we, we said for the first, what, Three weeks SEC play, even though the offense didn't necessarily swing it over the wheel. It's like, I believe in this offense. They'll come around. I no longer believe in this offense. I don't know if they'll come around. They might. I don't know. I won't say that they're dead in the water uh, from an offensive perspective because they're still really talented dudes that I believe could be good offensive players and have been good offensive players before. But I will no longer say that I think this offense will figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to believe that they probably won't. I mean, it's in it, but this paints a pretty good picture of what we're watching play out in real time as well. When you just go back and look at it, and you know, in defense, it's three guys because uh, Gonzalez's OPS is 1066, and yep. Alderman is a thousand, excuse me, I had that backwards. Uh, Gonzalez is 1049, Alderman is 1066. Literally, okay. everyone else they use is like in the 500s. I believe yeah. Leatherwood is around 600, but literally, every, uh, excuse me, Burford, but everyone else is in the 500s or worse. If you had told – Elko's not even the best one for that. If you had told me 12 games in, Kemp Alderman has 1,000 OPS, I would have been in SEC ball. Like, oh, they're the best team in the country. Certainly the best offense in the country. And and they're not – they're not. I mean, they're they're a lower-level SEC offense right now. Um, just bad. Just really, really bad. I don't know what you do to fix it because, you know, with it, – it, it's a bunch of guys that have produced at this level not producing at this point and and – I keep saying it, but I do believe it. I think it's a lot of guys pressing. Um, and, again, I don't think necessarily it's all that, you know, they're having bad years or whatever. I think they're, you know, look, they know they're four and eight. Look, these kids aren't idiots either, man. Like, they, they read social media and 
I'm sure they see some stuff on message board. They they know the, the dynamics of Ole Miss baseball right now, and they know what each loss kind of means. Um, it's it's starting to build some tension. It kind of feels, and and this is why I really really wanted Ole Miss to win today because it, it's starting to feel like to me um, when they lost those first two games in Tennessee, like it's starting to you know, in 2019, it's starting to feel like they're either going to figure it out and, and, and make a run or they're just going to die off. And, and I mean that obviously metaphorically. Um, but I thought if they had won today, they could really put themselves in position to, to be okay after, you know, if they can win their next two series. Um, and, and they may still win their next two series, but a loss today, man, um, like thinking about it like this, they can win their next two series and they're still going to be two games below 500. I think yep. that's that, that is a massive hill to climb, um, you know. So that's why I thought today was so massive. But it just there's been some times in Ole Miss baseball and in, in, in 2018 and 2019 and 2021 where it's like, hey, you got to a point where it's a breaking point. Um, and each time they kind of answered. In 2018, uh, they lost their first two games in South Carolina, and and, and they had to win a Sunday game or they weren't going to fall to 12 and 12 and SEC play and kind of run themselves out of hosting. And they win that game and they go sweep Auburn and they win two at Alabama and they become the number five national seed. And, you know, in 2019, it kind of felt like a breaking point when, uh, um, you know, they lose the two games at Tennessee and then they, they have to fight a battle to win that third game. And then they get to the finals of the SEC tournament. And then, you know, they lose that series last year to Texas A&M and Gunner gets hurt. They come home and they kick Vanderbilt's ass. Um, and it kind of felt like in a, you know, a micro way that today was that day that, you know, hey, this is when all hell's broken loose and, and almost didn't get it done. And it just kind of feels like after today that, man, outside of, you know, a lot of things getting fixed, this, this team may be one that unfortunately kind of just withers away. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. And there's, there's just, I don't know, like in those past times, you just did a good job outlining it. Another one in there, you may have mentioned it. I may have just missed it. But you remember last year they were on the verge of getting swept by LSU and being in a bad way. Yeah. And they erased that 10-to-1 deficit and came back to win the game. Now, they lost the series against it. I guess that LSU team ended up in a super, but that wasn't a great LSU team at no. the time. But that ended up being an important win for them yep. um, in terms of, like, you know, being a host and not really sweating it out and – like, that was an important win. I just don't feel – I don't feel confident in, one, the offense's ability to erase a deficit like that. But the other side aspect of this is who is a – like, and like last year they had Gunner and Doug for most of the year. And then even though they lost Gunner, they had Doug, and they kind of figured it out after that. And they got a couple good spot, you know, starts and spots from Diamond and whomever else. There is not a single dude on this roster right now who I feel like – I posted – I think I posted to someone else earlier this way. Who do you – who would you go to in a game that they had to win and you feel great about, okay, they're going to have a chance today? Is there one guy you can name? No. I mean, it's Brandon no, Johnson is probably this yeah, bad week. But he's gotten wrecked two times in a row now. Exactly. He's had a bad week, but I would actually – I mean, he would – I trust him before anybody else. That. But, okay, throw him out of the picture because clearly he's not going to become like a rotation guy. Maybe he does. I don't know. Um, you know, in Mike's mind right now, there's no such thing as a rotation. So, Shit, Tim Elko may start games before the end of the year. <laughs> so, like, but seriously, like from that perspective, like, who would you go with? I know you can't have a good answer, but, like, what, what's your answer? Is it Delusia? 
Yeah. That's not a great place to be. No. I mean, no, the Friday night guy for one week that pitches 6.1 innings and then gets taken off Friday night isn't a great answer for, hey, if you got to win this game, who do you go to? Um, I mean, yeah, it's Delusia, but I don't have any confidence in that answer. I don't know, man. It's it's as weird as I've ever seen it. I'll say this. If, if Mike gets this crap figured out and somehow gets this team to get hot, he'll have earned his money. Um, because man, they just they look dead in the water right now, and and it it's it's you know it's it's really easy to look at a baseball team when they're not playing well and say, wow, they look flat. But God dang, they look flat. Um, and like I said, it's easy to say that when they're losing, but I, I just for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like they have that guy that's pissed off and and is is going to look up and say, hey, this crap's not acceptable. Whereas you know, man, like. Nick Fortes would have lost his mind by now. Um, Cooper Johnson would have lost his mind by now. Doug Nikhazy would have lost his mind by now. And it just doesn't feel like they've got that dude on this team. No, they don't. And then in a combination of that, and just at the end of the day, I think the point you made about like, hey, they either kind of get hot and make go on a run or really wither away. I think what you're trying to get at is like, there's a shot that like, if it doesn't turn around, that this just turns into what, like 11 and 19? Or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It bottoms out. Because the other – like the the combination – I want to get to the mindset part of it in a second because I think you're right and kind of the – kind of having that guy to pull everyone together and be like, hey, this is not acceptable. But the other part of it about it is the offense is clearly not as good as advertised and they just don't have guys that can get people out. That's a terrible combination. And there's a chance that the offense sort of, I guess, wakes up and they end up becoming better because, again, we saw that last year. It's the same lineup. It's the same guys. But the one common denominator to me when we kind of wrestle back and forth with will they be okay, will they not, I don't ha- they don't have an answer, like talent-wise, on the pitching stuff. No. And so that's not getting fixed. And I don't know how you do that absent just an absolute juggernaut offensively, like Tennessee or someone. And Ole Miss is not that, and I don't think they'll become that. No. Um, there's not a guy on this team currently. I think there may be a few in a, in a year or so. There's not a guy that can go take the ball and and do the Doug thing where it's like, I'm going to give you 6.2 scoreless, score me some runs, and we'll win the baseball game. They don't have that dude. Um, and, frankly, they don't even have a dude that can maybe do that once in a while outside of, outside of Delusia. Um, they just got a bunch of – just a bunch of parts that, that Bianco's trying to put together. And um, – I think the biggest indictment on this weekend to me, man, is like you look back over the three games and I don't think Mike did anything wrong. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'm missing something, but I don't necessarily have a, have a whole lot of issues with anything managerial-wise. It's, it's nitpicky just, stuff. It's letting Diamond face the lineup, I mean, uh, the Alabama lineup. Sure. I mean, that's a, that was the most Derek Diamond outing of all time. He looked like Cy Young. Like, what, he had four straight yeah. strikeouts at one point and retired nine yeah. in a row? And then as soon as the lineup turned over, he gets tagged for a couple of shots. But that I don't think that changed. I mean, look, did it maybe change the outcome of the game? Yes, but that's not something. Mike didn't lose them the game because of that. No. But I, I think, like, there's no managerial mistake that I'm, I have big His team is just not good enough, which is a bigger indictment on him than yes. just not having a big, you know, a good managerial weekend. His team isn't good enough on the mound. His team right now isn't good enough at the plate. 
they were better defensively a little bit this weekend. Um, but they're just not good enough, which, you know, I'm not saying that to defend him because I'm telling you that's a bigger issue than him maybe doing some stupid stuff managerially. No, I'm with you. And, look, we've talked about this before. And from the pitching standpoint, it is what it is. Like, what hap- what's actually happening with this team and the reason it's probably not going to get fixed unless two guys become just versions of themselves that we didn't see possible, which feels like a miracle. I mean, sounds like a miracle. And, like, that definitely I would call certainly call it that. I don't think it's going to happen. It's the fact that the guys that they brought in, and this is probably a conversation we could have, you know, a little bit later down the road, and we talked about it before. But, like, it's – Drew McDaniel, Derek Diamond were kind of supposed to be Friday it guys. They're not contributors. I mean, look, Diamond helped him and kept him at arm's length a little bit today, but he's not contributing, you know, in the way that they had hoped and the way that the scholarship reflects. And McDaniel, they can't pitch him at all. And so, like, the two guys you were supposed to kind of have as front-end Friday night guys, which is kind of how Mike builds the program, right? A bunch of bats, a a top-line starter or two, and then just kind of fill in the piece in the middle – they don't have that, and not only do they not have that, the guys that are supposed to do be doing that aren't major contributors in any stretch at all. Like, neither one – did they, either one of them start a game this weekend? No. Did McDaniel pitch? I don't even remember. Like, no. that's what's killing this team, and that's not changing it. And so, at the end of the day, when it comes to the pitching side of it, that he's going to – like, he's basically asking – if it's going to get fixed, you're asking someone to be something that they're just not at this point. Because the other guys – you can say what you want about the development. I do think there's something to be said there. and That's probably another knock on Mike, and that's part of the problem it is. But the other guys like weren't supposed to be this. It was supposed to be kind of them two, maybe one more in there that I'm missing, and they're just not. And that's not getting fixed in a month. No, it's not. I mean, I don't know if it's recruiting misses or recruiting, uh, you know, whatever, or lack of development or, or whatever. Um, but it's it's two different conversations um, that, that we're having. It's like, yes, it's, it's a development issue. It's the 2020 class or 2019 class from a pitcher standpoint hasn't worked out and hasn't, you know, materialized. Um, but we can have that conversation, and it's certainly one that's relevant. But the reality is, like, yeah, it didn't work out. But how, how, is, how are the 2022 Ole Miss Rebels going to get outs now? Because last time I checked, they still have 18 games worth of outs they have to get. Um, and, and I don't know how they're going to get them on a consistent basis with, you know, what's currently in line. Um, it's, it's, it's as bad. I'll ask you this. Can you remember a, a team that was as – 2017, like, you looked at them and you, okay, they're coming. It, it's going to be tough this year, but – but they're coming. And, look, that team and that class never got to the College World Series, and that's a shame. But, but they did a lot of good things. Um, when they you were look at this team, too. Yeah. When you look at this team, it's like, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> Print the shirts. I don't know what the hell this is. I tweeted that on Friday. I was at a wedding down in uh, Seaside, and I was like, uh, I would like I was watching the game on Friday, but I wasn't like in my normal setup where I'm just like by myself in my a living room and kind of like locked in or whatever. And I looked up and Delusha was in the game, and I'd missed that he was in warming up. And I tweeted, I was like, I don't know. I officially have no idea who the hell is going to start and who the hell is coming out of the bullpen. I hope you still listen to the podcast despite this admission. But I was the same kind of mindset. I was like, 
I don't know what the hell this is. I don't know what they're doing. I don't necessarily know why they're doing it. It's not going to work, and I don't think there's a solution. And so that, when we talk about this team and will they be okay and can they make the tournament and all of that, that's what I end up defaulting with is the, I don't think this team will end up being fine. If they Look, if they make the tournament, I think they'll probably be a week, two, three seed somewhere based on what we've seen right now. But that's the reason that I end up deciding that way, and that's kind of the reason I end up going with that side versus the more optimistic viewpoint is, is they just don't have any pitchers like that, that can get out consistently at the SEC level. And I just don't see that changing. I mean, they've got a few, but you know, a few isn't going to win you SEC games on a consistent level. And that's the thing, right? Like even if you find dudes at this point that maybe can get you out so at, at a decent clip, you're still four and eight in the freaking SEC. Like you've got to win a whole lot of games for this to be okay. Um, you know, it's it's you don't have time anymore because of the hole you put yourself in to 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 let guys settle in. Dudes have to do it immediately, or you're going to be twelve and eighteen, and and everybody's going to be fired. Um, yes. And on top of that, even if you do figure it out, it, it ties in the offensive side back to it. Alabama has a, I would say, slightly above average pitching staff and a yeah. average-ish rotation. Is that fair? Pretty, three yeah. pretty generic SEC right-handers. Is that fair? Uh, two, two and a lefty. Two yeah. lefties. Sorry, yeah, I screwed that up. Two and a lefty. But all in all, about as pretty run-of-the-mill SEC pitching staff. Good enough yep. to win you some games. Good enough to get you the NCAA tournament. But you know, yep. certainly not Tennessee, right? Ole Miss had two games this weekend where they got four hits. They scored three runs on yep. four hits in the Friday game. And uh, four runs on four hits today. Like, even if you do figure it out, the offense is so feast or famine. Like, you're going to – I mean, they almost wasted the Delusia outing last weekend. Like, they, they got kind of bailed yep. out on that. So, you know, even if they do figure it out on the mound, there's a chance the offense doesn't capitalize on it. And so, it's a – it's not great. We uh, we certainly – like, the, the way I looked at this team even just four weeks ago compared to now, you know, seems kind of silly. But – Whatever, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's the same lineup as last year. It is what it is. And one last note before we get – I want to get to a couple of defensive things and we'll get some big-picture stuff and then get out of here. But one last note on that is I don't want to, like, completely blame Derek Diamond and Drew McDaniel. And I don't want to make – like, it may have sounded like that a minute ago. I don't think Derek Diamond's healthy. It's just a personal opinion of mine. I don't. But, the, oh, you know, but at the end of the day, the point is neither one of those guys have become – what they thought like when they were recruited and they signed what this program and this coaching staff thought they would become that's all i meant by that i don't think they're those two are solely to blame well for they're not them. they're not alone in the 2019 class no they're not pitchers, west yeah. burton and who else there's another one in jackson kimbrell yeah that's exactly what it was that was the one i was missing i couldn't find earlier like i mean did that west burton i mean the, those two guys talk about non-contributors neither one of them are like they're not even factors on weekends I say it this way. I thought about to the, either one of them when it came to an SEC weekend. I'll say it this way. If it were one of them, I, I could understand. It, it's four of them who can't really do much on an SEC weekend. I know Diamond was okay today, but um, those, those are four guys that are not living up to what they were brought in to do. At some point, that's a trend. Oh, yeah. And I think it goes back, what's the sophomore class? Mallets, mallets, and Doherty. Yeah, it's yeah. it's more than a trend, and that's why they're in this position. And that's kind of the that's how all these. I mean, look, that's how college, that's how sports at any level work. Like you know, we react to these games on a you know 
pitch to pitch, game to game basis, but the forces in mo- like the forces that set this up kind of sputtered into motion a long time before you know Ole Miss sits here at four and eight, kind of bottoming out. And you know we kind of like it's not like we didn't completely know this. The offensive struggles are a little surprising, but we knew this coming into the year that pitching could potentially be a real issue. Well, we knew that last year based on who was leaving. And it's kind of coming to fruition, and the offense has been a little worse. So, you know, we can talk it into the ground all day. It is what it is on the pitching side. I think their only hope is they kind of cobble it together an average pitching staff, and this offense gets hot. Other than that, it's uh, it's a tough road to climb, and I'm not sure they have the horses to make the climb. Another note I want to get to about this, this pertains to this weekend and really just as a whole, too. And some of this, I think, maybe it's not, maybe it isn't fair to include mindset in this, but they struggle on the mound, and they also don't help them in the field. You know why Hunter Elliott's – a big reason why Hunter Elliott's last two outings have just been kind of bleh instead of, like, you know, good? He's gotten – if you go back through his last two starts, he's gotten absolutely screwed by his defense. Yep. I mean, you had the, the bloop single that got him out of the game early to where, like, uh, McCants called off Gonzalez, I think it was, out there. Like, he hasn't been helped. So, in complete fairness, I didn't watch Friday night because we we're playing a pretty big baseball game for high school standards. And I I had like eight text messages just pissed off at McCants. So walk me through what happened, please. So, oh, oh, oh on Friday. Sorry, I mean, I think I yeah. actually said Saturday. So basically when I gathered, I was in and out of the Friday game too. I caught basically all of Saturday and Sunday, but I was kind of going out at dinner. Uh, the whole uh, – uh, pull the game up on your phone inside your sports code at a dinner you're not supposed sure. to be watching TV at. I pulled that move a couple times. So there you go. Basically, from what I gathered, was it looked like Gonzalez was under it there in the shadow outfield, and McCants ex- kind of inexplicably called him off, and then McCants just didn't get to the ball. Like it kind of fell in front of it at his feet. So it kind of looked like Gonzalez got out of the way. I may be mischaracterizing that, but if it's the play I remember, it's I- I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And look, I guess he got benched for it, didn't he? Uh, yes, he came out of the game uh, um, in the fifth inning there, and Mike made it a point to say afterward it had nothing to do with the ankle. So read into that what you want. <laughs> uh, yeah. It goes beyond uh, that, the game two, the game two part of it. I, th- this is the part I really wanted to get to for a, a multitude of reasons. Uh, Brandon Johnson wasn't good. I, like the, It is what it is at that standpoint. But So top of the seventh, you start off with the grounder. He walks a guy on four pitches. You have a tailor-made double play. And Burford muffs it that would have gotten you out of the inning. And then all of a sudden, it's um, balk. Uh, the balk didn't do anything. But another four-pitch walk and then a grand slam. So you're up, what? At that point, they were up 7-6. And if you make that routine double play, you're out of the inning. And what, five yep. pitches later, six or seven pitches later, you're down 10-7. to Because it goes walk, grand slam. You have to make basic plays like that. They don't help their team. Right? Burford entered today's game. With seven errors on 41 attempts? It's not good. Um, that I don't like good. that ratio. I don't think those numbers uh, are – I'm trying not to make a smart-ass comment. Oh, I'll go there. I'm going to. I was going to ask you if he <laughs> tagged any more former All-American captains on the only team that went to Omaha passive-aggressively. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, someone posted on the message board. Ole Miss Instagram and Twitter account put out some stat last week about after Ole Miss beat Kentucky – um, that it was the first time in some X years they won their first SEC Road Series start of season. And Austin Anderson had kind of gotten aggressive on Twitter um, 
look, we've all been there before. When I read the Austin Anderson tweets where they weren't completely unfair, but they were a little harsh. I'm guessing my man was watching the Tennessee series uh, a couple of cores lights deep, which whatever. Who among oh, he just said what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Who among of us have it? I mean, I have the tweets up right there. In my four years, we were never swept at home. We were never ranked number one. Wake up, boys. And then he just dude slide three feet away from the bag, doesn't even touch it. Oh, that's another one. But um, 10 SEC weekends, 30 games, one weekend is not the down a team. The gauntlet is real and we don't back down. Oh, no, that was Knox. Sorry. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. He had a couple of critical tweet, tweets that yeah. were a little bit aggressive, but. If there's a couple of dudes that can do that, isn't Austin Anderson one of them? Austin Anderson's one of them, yeah. 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 So, afterwards, uh, the Kentucky series, and so they make that Instagram post, and Burford just tags um, Austin Anderson. And it's like, what? you're barking up the wrong tree there, pal. You made seven errors in 41 attempts. You're four and eight. And that kind of speaks to a little bit. And I don't want to read too much into Instagram and passive-aggressive you know, banter on the internet, but – where is that confidence coming from? You haven't beaten anyone good, and you guys suck defensively. Like, I hope he doesn't passive aggressively tag anyone this thing. I don't know if there's an errors record he might could slip in an Instagram account. Other than that, probably shouldn't do that anymore. Oh, man. Austin did not tweet this weekend. That's a shame. I bet he had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of thoughts. But, yeah, this is – but the, to me, that's almost like a small window into some of the mindset stuff with this team. They don't help out – they're, uh, they certainly don't help out their pitchers, who is already a struggling pitching staff. And then on top of that, and this I kind of derailed you earlier because I wanted to save it for this part of it, but I think some of that falls hand-in-hand hand with the not having the guy in there saying this is unacceptable. Like the, You mentioned it's easy to say you're flat when you're losing games, but like even when they were winning, I felt like it, it wasn't in – I'll say this. There's been teams that weren't as good that have been kind of fun to watch. This team is neither. Like, even when they were good, it wasn't that fun to watch, and they just kind of looked lethargic and flat. What do you think? Yeah. Um, the 2015 team was not good, but they played their ass off. Yeah. Um, they played really freaking hard, and, and at no point did it look like – like, at no point did I look at the 2015 team and like, what, what, what are they doing? Um, and think they about just weren't overly talented. Errol Sykes. Golson, um, Connor Cloyd, yeah, Perdzak, Cam Deshaun, yeah, um, they weren't good, yeah. but like those dudes were t- like honestly, those dudes were tough. Yes, they were really tough. Um, you know, it, it just, I don't know, that that team was nowhere near as talented as this one, but my God, they brought it every single day. That's the team that, if you remember right, um, went to Nashville. And this is a Vanderbilt team that that year played for the national title, came up one game short. Um, we're down four runs in the ninth inning. Sophomore Colby Bortles hits a ball over that big left field wall, and they went in in 15 innings and then kicked Vanderbilt's teeth in the next day uh, to win the series. I don't have a whole lot of confidence this team right here could do that. No, I think that's a great point. And honestly, there's one more note if I can find that game quick enough. You're right. They went and they – so they were – did they have a game rained out? They went 15 and 14 in the league? Did we? Yes, the last game of the year was not played against uh, Texas A&M. Oh, what was – was that a – that had to be a weather thing, right? So, it was funny. Um, the game was uh, rained out on Fridays because, you know, last series were Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Ole Miss wins that game on Saturday. Um, they played a doubleheader on Saturday, and Ole Miss wins the first one. And then, like, 
A&M didn't need to lose that game, the last game, and Ole Miss didn't really need to lose it either. Uh, but it was totally fine if they didn't play it. And there was some rain in the area. And Bianco and Childress were like, what if we just go home? And they went home. <laughs> Fair enough. I, that one had slipped my mind. The last note, that, that was perfect, uh, perfect filler, though, because the last thing I wanted to get to, that do you remember who started that Sunday game we were alluding to? It, it, was, it would be Will Stokes. Um, Drew Freshman, Will Stokes. Do you know what he did? Uh, he's pretty decent that day, if I remember right. He went six innings. He allowed four on yeah. runs. Uh, struck out four and walked four. But remember, they were having all kinds of trouble with uh, the number two and number three slot in their rotation, and they just kind of turned to true freshman Will Stokes and was just like, okay, like, can you try this? I remember at the time, like, writing that, like, this isn't fair to the kid, but they didn't have any other option. And the kid grits his teeth and grinds out six innings. Ole Miss has one guy in SEC play that has done that for them this year. One. Yep. So I think that's your point. This Like, that team wasn't very good, but, man, they were tough. And they had multiple moments like that throughout the year. And, like, well, Tennessee is a bad example. But, like, if Ole Miss went to Arkansas right now, I would fully anticipate them getting swept. Maybe I'm wrong in that assessment. Oh, God. You know, even if you're not as good of a team as them, I don't, like, that's a lot of times the indicator of a tough team. If you're not very good, but you can find a way to go on the road against a better team and just find a way to secure a win and not get swept, I don't feel great about this team's ability to do that. This team has to go to Fayetteville and to Baton Rouge, two teams that are better than them. Um, and they can't get swept. There, there's no room to get swept anymore. No, you're uh, done. You can't – you're not done, but, like, the, you're right. There's no margin for error. You can't get swept. That's another part of what makes me think I don't think that this is going to turn out well for them. The margin for error to get swept is gone, and they haven't played two of the three best teams you'd probably say at the beginning of the year on their SEC schedule. It's so bad. Um, so I, bad. Think I, I said if they – further, further we got into this. Do I? I said, I think I've depressed you the longer this podcast has gone on. No, I was – I'm glad – it's a good thing that we did not record at 5.45 p.m. because I, I was good and pissed off right then. Um, it, I, I've, I think I've just come to the, the fact that um, this is probably going to be a, a, a bad baseball team. Regardless, like, we can do this. Um, are they going to get in the tournament thing? And I'm sure when, when May comes around and, you know, we're talking about their RPI and it's like, you know, can they get in? And, and I'm just going to have to remind myself, um, maybe they do get in, but it doesn't matter. I, this, this As currently constructed, unless some dudes step up on the mound and unless the offense fixes itself, this team has no shot of winning a regional right now. None. Um, last time I checked, you don't win regionals um, without – any semblance of a rotation, which what is what Ole Miss has right now. Um, so, you know, it, it's just kind of unfortunate that, you know, they may sneak into the tournament, but unless some, some things get answered, it, it's not going to matter. Nope, you're right. And you want to keep it – I think that's a good point you make. If you want to keep it on the 2015 um, parallel – so that team went out to Los Angeles and – were were they the two or the three? I can't remember if Maryland was the two or the three. I think they were. I think they were the three. I could be incorrect in that, but they got absolutely popped. They had no. They they weren't good. They were the worst team in that regional, frankly. They were, but they lost a Friday the the game one to a Mar- a very average Maryland team that kind of had a dude that Mike Sharon. I, I, I forget yeah. how to say his name. Pretty good pitcher, but that team I thought okay they're probably not making it through this regional. They don't have the depth. 
but they have a dude that can get them through game one. And Christian Trent, granted they lost the game, goes six in the third and he allowed three earned runs and gave them a chance to win the game. This team doesn't have that. If they were playing in a 2-3 matchup right now, I'd wonder, like, what's oh my God. to get them four? They didn't have a guy get them four this weekend against a pretty average 2-3 seed-ish type Alabama team. And so you're right, it doesn't matter. And, again, as currently constructed, I guess things could change. And, you know, there's been weird turnarounds before. I'm not sure I'd ever see one this weird if it happened. But that's the other part of it is, like, if they get into a regional, they don't have the starting pitching to win a game. No. God forbid win three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two. Like, if yeah. you somehow lucked in and bashed your way to a Friday night win, who are you pitching against the one seed with any confidence in that regional? Jesus Christ. Um, no. I mean, I, no, it's bad. It's, it's as bad as I have felt. Um, I'll ask you this. Is, this. is this as bad as it's been in the regular season for Ole Miss um, that you can remember? Because I cannot remember a worse feeling around the program in the regular season um, with Ole Miss since, since I've been following. Mm, yeah, like 08, I don't want to say it got, like, toxic. Okay. But, they, you know, that was such a, like, a complete fall off, and it's kind of similar to this one. That one felt bad. But sure. Honestly, to be fair, I was 12 at the time. So, I obviously yeah, wasn't following as closely either. But outside of that, I, I can't think of one. Like – what, what you want to talk about a year I've just completely memory hold? What did, did did 2011 happen? Did they play baseball in 2011? Um, so that's actually I'm glad you asked that. That was my senior year of high school. That is probably the least amount of Ole Miss baseball I've kept up with was that 2011 team, and I think it was probably some of it was they weren't very good, and some of it was it was my senior year. So um, it could have been bad then, and, and I didn't know it. Um, uh, especially when they lost two or three to Mississippi State and then lost the uh, two to Arkansas on the last day of the year to, to miss the SEC tournament, miss the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, it's uh, that that one could have been really, really bad too, but, but I wouldn't have known it for sure. But this one feels worse given the expectations and honestly what was Yeah, it? you knew that team was going to stink. Yeah. Um, they went 13 and 17. You're right. They missed Hoover and they missed the tournament. Yeah, I forgot about that. That – uh. That was a uh, wild year. But this one feels worse because of everything we said. I mean, hell, this team was ranked number one in the country, what? Four I mean, weeks ago. I, I was about to say, well, in like a in a technical, literal sense, because the rankings don't change um, until yeah. Monday morning. Check two weeks ago. Yeah, I was about to say, technically 14 days from this recording, they're the number one ranked team in the country. And we just outlined why they're probably not going to make the NCAA tournament or may not make the NCAA tournament. That's uh, Will they be ranked in the morning? Oh, hell no. Well, actually, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about how Kendall do it. I have to take a look around at uh, what happened around the SEC. They, I mean, they're not the, one of the best 25 teams in the country, no. what you're asking. No. Oh, jeez. So, well, I bet that's the first time in a long time, um, outside of maybe 19, I don't know, though, that they won't be ranked. If, if they do fall out. Seventeen. Mm, remember, it would have to be sometime in 17, right? Yeah. Unless they just fell out after the weekend at Tennessee, but I don't think they did. Um, I don't remember that. I don't think they did either, but it's bad. And so that's probably to kind of put a – I mean, is there anything else from this weekend? Oh, I know. It's time for Josh Malik stock rising. He – you know what he did? That's scoreless, I 
13.1 innings for my man, Mr. Mallets, on the season. Is he giving up a run? Uh, no, he has not given up a run. He went four yeah, points. It's, it's time. He scattered five he, on Friday night. Nope. If the game was already kind of in, descent, in, uh, in hand because of the way Ole Miss is hitting at the plate. He went 4.2, seven strikeouts, walked four guys. We scattered five hits to shut out baseball. 13.2 innings for Mr. Mallets uh, on the year and has not allowed a run. At a certain point, um, I don't care what he is. Right? It, it's time, right? You, you just answered your question about how Ole Miss would win a Friday night game in a regional. How serious are you being? Uh, don't ask me that question. Um, no, but it's time he pitches meaningful SEC weekends. I mean, for the love of God, you know, th th there's other cats that can't get outs that are consistently pitching them. So, um, why not give him an opportunity? Seven and two-thirds in SEC play, scattered eight hits, no runs. Well, I think that's the biggest indictment um, so far is that Josh Mallett's has thrown 7.2 non-meaningful innings in four weekends. You know how hard that is to do? To, like, for one guy to get 7.2 non-meaningful innings in, in, in four weekends? That's um, incredibly hard to do. <laughs> like, you know, because I don't know. I, can't, I know he pitched at Auburn. I'm sure he's pitched all – well, I don't guess he pitched against Tennessee. But the, the fact that you're playing that many non-meaningful uh, innings is probably an issue. And – this was like in a, some ways like Mike. Mike loves the lefty lefty like matchup type thing, and like this was almost just like very, like too enticing for him. But I just do wonder at a certain point, like would it have hurt to have started Mallets in a game this weekend? Like going into Sunday, and I get there's a ton on the line, but like what do you have to lose? I mean, Fitz is a perfect inning against Southern Miss earlier in the week too. Josh Mallets is weak. Five point two innings, no uh, no runs, five hits seven strikeouts, four walks. I mean, that's better than anything else you have. Like, at what point – I mean, that's that's a ranked team and an Alabama team that may be ranked soon, but as a regional team, what else do you need to see? And any, a scoreless yeah. inning against Tennessee, two scoreless innings against Auburn. Like, it, hell, he's only – you talk about him pitching non-meaningful innings. He's pitched against Oral Roberts and four NCAA tournament teams, including the best team in the country. Yeah. So, at um, what point do you just say, hey, we got to give this guy a shot? Do you think it happens this week? It's got to. I mean, like, I mean, hell, read off the guys. Like, let's go through the list of guys that pitched this weekend. Okay? Sure. Hunter Elliott. Is Josh Mallett's more consistent than Hunter Elliott? I would say maybe so right now. Maybe. He's not giving up a run. Yeah. I don't, um, sure. Uh, Dylan Delusha. I I'll, put, I'll put Dylan a little bit higher on the back of Um and then let's see, Gaddis. I think Mallets is, is is better pitcher than Gaddis right now. Um, I'm just trying to go through Doherty and Johnson. I'm not willing to go there yet. Um, I I trust him more than Washburn because, frankly, Washburn. Look, he was really good against against Kentucky. Um, he gets really really erratic at times, and you know if if we're doing the the Derek Diamond thing, look, I, I know Derek's. Um, was brought in to be the guy, but and, and he pitched well today to give him, you know, credit. Uh, but at some point, you, know, you might want to get the guy that's a little bit younger, a little bit more experienced, especially when he's pitched as well as he has. I don't know. It's it's probably time that he pitches meaningful innings. I, I don't know how you uh, look at what he's done this year um, and compare it to the rest of your pitching staff if he keeps throwing in low leverage spots. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
another base level statistic, kind of the pitching version of batting average, where whatever, take it with a grain of salt. But Josh Mallett, you know what his ERA is in SEC play? That, quick that, math. It'd have to be zero. That would be a zero. The next closest, Hunter Elliott, three seven seven. Everyone else is four and above. Oh, Derek Diamond, if you just want to go straight base level ERA, some of these numbers will jump out at you. John Gaddis, eleven point three two. Um, John Gaddis is only like twenty five percentage points ahead of Matt Parento. Um, Maddox nine, Diamond eight point five six, Doherty seven point two four, Morell six point two five, Delucia six point oh. Like again, not the greatest like uh kind of tell all stat, but at a certain point when one of them says zero and the rest of them are really high numbers, um, you do have to right. well, we mentioned Kimbrell and Burton, probably a little unfair because it's only one appearance, but both have ninety nines. Um well, that's actually infinity because they didn't record an out. Yeah, that is technically true. Um, 99, I guess, is tech, just the highest you can go in terms of the way the statistic is set up. But, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's all aboard the Josh Mallett's train. I mean, it was this time last year where we were just incensed. He came in in the game in Starkville. I believe that was maybe in the, a year ago to the weekend. If I, I can't, I'd have to look that up. I'm not going to because I'm not that – uh, that you, you want to know? You want to know why I can't remember like actual important things? It oh, would last. be a week ago. It would be a week from now. It would be a year ago. Okay, so a week from now would be a year ago. Let's let's <laughs> yeah. get the reunion going. <laughs> so started on Friday night. It's it's a it's a full circle. A year removed from his last, uh, you know, the 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 pulling the plug on the Josh Mallett's twenty twenty one season. Throw him back out there as your ace. It cannot get worse. And in all seriousness, I know like this is somewhat tongue in cheek. The dude throws a ninety three mile an hour fastball that he's located on both sides of the plate and has dropped two yep. different breaking balls or a changeup and a slider in the strike zone more consistently than just about anyone else you've seen on the team. Small sample size, mop up time, whatever. That's something that most of the dudes aren't doing, so why not try the guy that it is? I got no issues with there. There's quite frankly only like one or two guys that you can trot out there at this point. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I'm willing to try anything, but I am certainly willing to try the guy that's got a zero ERA on the season and has thrown 14 innings and in games against Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly willing to give that guy an opportunity. Big, a couple of big picture thoughts for you to look around the SEC and get out of here. If this is kind of going in the direction that we think it's going, you know, I mean, to, to, the message boards are any indicator. This is going to be a long couple months just in terms of the nauseating oh, discussion. But I think that's – I have a question. He's not ripping is in. there a discussion anymore? Oh, no, no, it's not a discussion. Like, we – this – it will be it, – it's – the way they are playing is making it a formality. It is yeah. an approaching formality, is it not? I will say this, um, me and a good friend of mine and, and, and myself are probably uh, two of Bianco's biggest supporters. And if this season doesn't get – as far as, like, you know, should he retain his job, at no point have I – I think I've advocated for, for him losing his job at Ole Miss. And, and, and I certainly understand other people that have different opinions. Um, but if this season obviously continues going the way it is, uh, there, there's no way I could even uh, – jump on the, the bandwagon of, of defending this and, and, and not advocating for a change. Now, there's a lot of time, but, yeah, it, it's, it's becoming a formality, like you said. Do you think the weight of that is weighing on this team to any degree? Like, do you think that – you talked about the pressing part of it and kind of they're not having the guy that's in there kind of like say this is unacceptable. Do you think the weight of that they're feeling it at all in any way? 
uh, this is an insight or anything because obviously I'm, you know, I'm not in that locker room and I don't know anybody in that locker room, but yeah, I, I do. Um, I don't, I don't know how you wouldn't. Um, if it was me and look again, I want to make this very clear. I, I don't know of anything and, and I don't really have, um, you know, anybody in that locker room or, or know anything, but if it was me and, I'm a guy that's been there three years and, you know, I'm struggling and I got this dude, you know, maybe yelling at me like, Hey, we got to get this figured out. We're, 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 we're going, we're, you know, we're the world miss and by God, we're going to get this figured out. This isn't how we, this isn't how, isn't how we operate. And he's the same cat that, you know, eight, 10 months ago tried to leave. Yeah. Like, man, screw you. Um, and that text message right now. The weirdly worded text on top. That was of that. so weird. I, I, I never said that, but that was really, really, really bad. Um, it was also. I don't weird. get the, the, the sending the text. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you. Is bad. The way the wording of it. I wish I had pull, I should have pulled it back up before we started recording. I probably won't be able to find it. It was bizarre. It was like it was almost like he was he was. I, I don't know if condescending is the right word. Do you remember the way the top of that was worded to where it's like, it's LSU. So like, you know, my family and I will always listen, basically kind of insinuating, like, of course you guys understand because it's LSU. This is why I did this. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, actually like they probably don't dude. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. It's it, man. I wish I could find it. Cause I, I remember who sent it to me, um, but I cannot find it. Uh, yeah, it was that that that's kind of what started the downfall, right? Like it, it's if I'm a guy that's been in that program three or four years, and I got this cat yelling at me, um, and I don't say Bianco's like being overly aggressive or anything, but it would just kind of be hard for me to look around and be like, I guess everybody's locked in when uh, the cat that supposedly or, or does lead this baseball program was, you know, I'm not saying he was trying to get out, but he certainly wasn't all the way locked in. Uh, with this baseball program at the at the middle of June last year, for sure. It's in. We talked about it at the time. We all knew what the expectations of this season were. But if there were any, like every, we talked about it from the Omaha or bus standpoint, if there was any gray area or wiggle room in between, to me, in terms of that and kind of a combination of like goodwill or kind of capital built up, he squandered all of that when he went and interviewed with uh, LSU at a Birmingham hotel room. Like that to me, it all went out the window, and he really set up a dynamic that was hard. Like made it kind of, he made it certainly harder on himself. This was always going to be a difficult year, and from you know temperature, the fan base, he made it harder on himself. You could argue, does that matter? Because at the end of the day, the results were going to decide his future. Sure, I guess. I have it. Here we go. You want me to read it? Sure. Dear players, this has been a difficult week for all of us, and I appreciate your patience. The LSU rumors rumor swirled. Not it to, was not, not my to, place. Not to interrupt you, but let's break this down bit by bit. So, had, was it a difficult week for him? He presumably put on a suit and tie and drove to Birmingham, ate some barbecue, and interviewed for a job that he clearly wanted. How does that a difficult week for him? Uh, but anyway, go ahead. LSU rumors swirled. I, I love it. The rumors are swirling, but yes, I did go interview in person. Sorry, go ahead. It was not my place to speak about LSU search. And you know I don't chase media reports or social media activity. That's the only that thing I actually do believe here. But what does that mean? Chase media reports? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, LSU called and wanted me to visit, and I did that. During that time, I stayed in touch with our athletic director, Keith Carter, and Cammy, and I reflected a lot. LSU is a special place for our family. I played there, coached there, and met Cammy there. 
and several of our kids were born there. But Ole Miss is uniquely special as well. We have been here 21 years. Our home is in Oxford. Our family is in Oxford, and you are in Oxford. And our focus is squarely on the future of Ole Miss baseball because I didn't get the LSU job. Um, I am the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels and remain proud to say so again because I didn't get the LSU job. I can't wait to get everyone back together this fall again because I didn't get the LSU job. LSU – what is the part LSU called and wanted to talk, and so I did? Like, no, you didn't, yeah. man. You drove <laughs> over to Birmingham to go interview for the job. Like, what do you mean? Like, it wasn't a, oh, hey, Scott Woodward, sure, I'll listen to your pitch. I'm a, you know, I'm not going to be an asshole. I'm a nice guy. That's not what happened here. He, he wanted the job badly, lobbied for the gig, and drove over to get an interview in person. If his sole focus was, you know, Ole Miss baseball and all that, he's probably not doing an in-person interview while he's the head coach of a sitting SEC West rival, correct? No. Like, he didn't get the LSU job. That's why he's not at LSU. Um, Look, this you is know, speculation. You can tell me I'm wrong there, but I, I firmly do believe that they offered him the job he takes. Oh, I think that's absolutely the case. And it's just me speculating. I don't know anything. But at the time, and look, I, did, I, I made a comment earlier when you were talking about it. Do I think the, that's on the player's mind, you know, in the middle of a, a April weekend? So no. No, but when things are going bad and, you know, thoughts are swirling around and, you know, I mean, they're pressing offensively. But just off the field when things are going to bad and they're kind of left alone with their thoughts to think about the way the season's going, you sure that doesn't pop up? Because I know for – actually, I don't want to say I know for a fact. I don't have this to the point to where I could say this with confidence as a fact, but there were some murmurs of how that was received by the recipients of that being the players. And I It wasn't the, well. It wasn't well at the time. And it's mostly the same lineup. And there's new pitchers. But I, I guess my point being is, I, do you think they go back to that at all when they're, you know, whatever they're doing as on Sunday night after they've been swept and it's four and eight and their season's at a crossroad? I, as a human well, being, I would think about it. I'm not a baseball player. I'll never know what they think. But I'd go back to it. It's probably what – but well, that's not true. He didn't rip them is what Chase said. It was a short, brief post game, And, look, he's trying to keep everyone together. But part of me thinks there's a small part of him not ripping them. Because that dynamic has to factor in if that makes any sense. But I would go back to it as a player. I was kind of all over the place there. It's only – like, they're only human. And so it's, it's, a, it's such a weird dynamic for me because if I'm Mike Bianco last June, I would have had a hard time not trying to get the LSU job if LSU wanted to hire me because all the people in Oxford want to fire me. And I'm not saying those people are wrong, but it, just as a human being, if I'm five, like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested if y'all want to talk. Um, but you cannot let it get out that you are going to Birmingham to interview for the LSU job and um, actively pursuing it, you know. Um, being honest, he was played by Scott Woodward. Absolutely was. And, that, and then when that well, happened – He was ever getting so, it. Yeah. But it was such a weird deal because – I had people tell me, well, if he goes in interviews, he can't come back. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Are exactly. you going to fire him? It's a statement that was like, I agree with you in principle. Like, you know, sure. is that a fireable thing? But to your point, I mean, we agreed on this at the time. What are you, what, what are you going to do? Like, 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 he, like you, make an, you can keep saying that, but he, he is coming back. Like, <laughs> it just kind of is. Yeah. Like, you know. And so. You just yeah, so I mean, it is what it is, and I, you know, I thought but about. No, if I'm a, 
if yeah, I'm a player in that dugout, it pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And if it gets to a point to where, you know, you talk about there's no one in the dugout, you know, kind of saying this isn't acceptable. And we don't know this. This is pure speculation. It just kind of feels that way. If it comes from him, aren't they more likely to tune him out? Absolutely, I would be. And so that's what – that's the, if this dynamic really spirals, I, I mean, that, if this spirals, I think that dynamic is uh, partially why. But there's a lot of season left. But, man, sure. Ole Miss is really up against it. And it's really the brand of baseball they're playing. It's not the fact that they can't climb out of a 4-8 and eight hole. That's been done before. The 2013 team started 4-8, yep. and eight, and Chase did a good job of pointing this out, finished 15-15. and 15. Well, they had, what, Bobby Wall and uh, Chris Ellis? And uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, but yeah. It was Mike Myers? Yeah. Okay, so – they had so it was they had those two teams, I mean those two pitchers, which Ole Miss clearly doesn't have, and the dynamics just weren't the same. And I guess to bring that back on track, what I was getting at is you know who else they had on that team? Who? Austin Anderson and Austin Bosfield and Sykes Orvis and Will Allen and Stuart Turner and Andrew Mastoni. Pretty tough cats. They were. Was Braxton Lee on that team? No, nah, he was he was the next year. That's right. He and Jamison platoon in 14. Is that what – anyway. Uh, no, uh, Brax, Brax started pretty much every day. Jamison platooned with uh, maybe J.B. Woodman yeah, freshman year. That's what it was. But beyond all that, they said it four and eight. But I guess to finish the – I got off on a tangent there. It's not that they can't overcome a four and eight hole. The brand of baseball they're playing com- uh, compounded with the opponents they have left. I can't feel confident. I like I feel confident in them winning any of the series coming up. I don't say I don't think they're going to go. Well, they might, but like I guess what I'm getting at is we'll just go through it one last time to wrap this up. Sure. Do you feel confident in them winning two at South Carolina next week? Confident? No. If I had to put my life on the line, I would take Ole Miss because I. I think both teams are not very good, and I think Ole Miss is more talented. So I would take the Rebels. Um, but, no, if I had to put any confidence on it, no, I would not put money on that. I'm probably taking Carolina, but your point's well stated. Do you feel confident in them beating State? I, I No. Hell no. I don't ever feel confident in them beating State. Um, I think they win one of these next two. I'll say that. Okay, and then it's at Arkansas and Missouri. Missouri okay, got the only one left. If you're, if I'm a wagering man, and you're saying Ole Miss is going to win one series, and if you get it wrong, you know we're going to throw you off a building or something. That got violent. Like, well, Missouri. You get my point. Do or die. I have to pick one series. I have to win. It's probably Missouri, and I don't feel good about any other candidates except for maybe A and M at the end because A and M looks like they stink. I mean, if if Mississippi State wore jerseys that said like, you know not Mississippi State, I would think they'd probably win that series. But, unfortunately, the jerseys say Mississippi State. Yeah, because – Maybe they could wear jerseys that don't say that. I don't know. Because <laughs> they – well, they did have that one that uh, had Ole Miss uh, on their jersey. That's uh, true. With That's the true. expletive in front of it. Well, it actually wasn't Ole Miss. It was T-Sun. Yeah. Uh, that is true. It is uh, – it was T-Sun. The uh, – but the point being, it's just like I don't – they're, they're playing better competition in the back half of the schedule, and that's what's going to make it tougher. So – Anyway, oh, and the last part of that is, uh, you know, I don't think State's going to sweep them, but State's had their number. Let's just say State does sweep them. That means oh, they were after the month of May without a uh, SEC win at Swayze Field. Oh, God. How does that think about that? I know it's only three series, but holy cow. Like, I wouldn't have had that on the uh, bingo board at the beginning of the year, or prop bets or whatever you want to call it. Like, good God. Lord. It's, that's what makes it such a daunting proposition. Last thought on 
I thought about this a lot. Like, what am I going to title the pod? Not that I spend a ton of time thinking about that or how I title the newsletter. Does this feel like the beginning of the end to you? Because this felt like the beginning of the end to me. You know what it feels like? Feels like 2018 Andy Kennedy. Yes, that's a great point. And this was the shot at A&M that didn't go down. The Bree and Tyree shot that went halfway down and came out. Yeah. Those three overtime non-conference losses. It's like, oh, boy. And it, but, but it that inspired Andy me. probably has a, had a little bit more uh, self-awareness. <laughs> I'd say – I think if UAB called, I don't think Andy would text his players and say it's been a difficult week on all of us <laughs> as the rumors swirled. Um, let's look around the SEC before we get out of here. Um, I'm surprised we made it that long talking about this uh, this mess because it's certainly a mess for sure. All right, what do we got around the league? LSU swept well, Mississippi State. State's yeah, misery loves company. Yeah, they uh they stink. They got real issues because that's I don't even think that LSU team is very good. They're not, and uh, but yeah, Ole Miss and State in the cellar of the SEC West on Alabama and Auburn, like we all expected. Yeah, exactly. Just absolute bizarro world over here. Um, and then you know, Ole Miss taking two or three from Auburn seems to make less and less sense by the by the day. And I'm not sure I would have ever thought that going in Georgia took two or three from South Carolina um I'm gonna have to put some more respect on the Georgia Bulldogs name I thought they were kind of one front line starter a couple good pitchers and not much else they're pretty good oh that's fine yeah they're good um Missouri swept was swept by Tennessee Tennessee the first team in SEC baseball history to start 12 and 0 holy cow didn't score as many runs this weekend though they did not and Missouri was competitive I was joking uh, with someone earlier I was like can I be impressed with Missouri? Like, they played them close. They were more competitive than Ole Miss was. They uh, tried. Yeah, they tried. Auburn takes the first two against Vanderbilt. They got tattooed in the finale today. Um, but I thought, it, I, thought, I thought they got tattooed yesterday and won today. Oh, that's exactly what it was. Sorry, I messed that one up. I'd gone to the wrong day. You're right. They won the rubber game today. They got tattooed in the middle. Auburn takes two or three. Uh, they're good. They're definitely an NCAA yeah. team. That's a team that could get hot, and it's like a weird – how in the world is this team a host? Yeah. Yeah, that's what – if you kind of look back at Ole Miss, it's like, man, if you had just not gotten swept by Alabama and Tennessee, you'd be okay because Auburn's really starting to help you out. Oh, absolutely. And the rest of the league is just aggressively average. You're going to have to help me out on the last two. A&M won on Saturday. Who won that series? Did Kentucky win that uh, series? A&M. A&M won. They won on Thursday and Saturday. Um, damn, Kentucky felt like they needed that one. And then yeah. did Arkansas take two from Florida? No, Florida took two. Wow. So, I messed that up totally. The Thursday ones were throwing me off this week. That felt like a big series win for Florida because didn't they yeah. get beat pretty good in the Thursday night game? They did. They did. And then, I mean, after getting swept at Georgia, give them some credit for bouncing back. It's an impressive uh, thing to, to bounce back and, not, you know, get defeated multiple times. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really impressive. They, they had to have it. Kind of felt desperate at that point. And, and give them some credit. Barco gets beat on Thursday, but they bounce back on Friday and Saturday and get it done. I uh, This was the first weekend I didn't watch any other SEC baseball just because I was uh, traveling, got the old beach wedding in, which was nice, but uh, was a little less plugged into um, SEC baseball this weekend with just less time to watch. Here's a fun game. When does Tennessee lose? Uh, mm, they got they have Alabama and Knoxville next weekend and then go to Florida. They will lose one game during those six. They'll go five and one. I'm calling that. 
I think you're right, too. It probably comes against Florida. So they're going to be 17-1 and one if that's right. That is absurd. If, if they sweep Alabama, Alabama could give them a game. I mean, they, excuse me, could get a game. And I think that'll be a more competitive series than, say, like Ole Miss did. That, uh, honestly, that's what made that uh, sweep so big for Alabama, aside from, you know, sweeping an opponent on the road. They'd missed a couple opportunities early, and they had road trips to Ole Miss and Tennessee back-to-back down the pipe, and they just swept Ole Miss to get to 7-5. and five. So, at worst, out of those two road, uh, those two road trips, they're at worst leaving 3-3. Three and three. That feels important for them. They're making the tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, but I've done a good job there. Well, that was it for Around the SEC. I think that just about covers it, my friend. Um, we will get out of here as we close down the pod on this Sunday night. Feels like the beginning of the end. Maybe Ole Miss will prove them uh, – prove all of us wrong but uh what a uh wild place to be i never yeah. thought to be here but uh for better or for worse we'll holler at you before south carolina sounds good my man all right that is our show i appreciate you guys making it to the end making us a part of your day we'll be back at it probably on wednesday with these uh baseball series starting thursday through saturday this week and then we'll uh may only go two this week with easter i don't know we'll check out the schedule but we'll be back in a couple of days probably mixing some spring football and some other stuff as well Uh, Y'all have a great start to your week, and we'll holler at you here in a couple days. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.